Hello and welcome back to the Bad Witches and Bitches podcast. We're so happy to have you here. This is a multi-dimensional podcast for the highly sensitive person. We talk about everything from spirituality, witchcraft, relationships, sex, queerness, identity, everything. We interview entrepreneurs, other witches, artists. There's just so much going on here. It's all about the rise of the divine feminine and the rise of the collective conscious to 5D and this new world we're moving into with the age of Aquarius. And I just wanted to be a part of it and get a chance to have so much fun and interview amazing people and interview my friends, do awesome stuff like that. So let's get started. Okay, so I'm going to let Elizabeth tell you a bit about herself in a minute, but we met at Vortex Fest earlier this year. This is pre-pandemic, pre-COVID and all of that. Um, In February, we met at Vortex Fest. And if you don't know what that is, Gala Darling, this amazing spiritual badass goddess, um, has something called the Vortex and she threw a big festival for it. And that's where we met. And the Vortex is basically a a place for spiritual badass babes. So (laughs) really cool place to meet her and really excited that we were able to connect and now are having this opportunity to connect. So Elizabeth actually reached out to me and asked to be in this podcast to talk a little bit about her experience as a highly sensitive person. And I don't know if you identify as a witch, but you've got tarot and birth charts and astrology and all that stuff in there. Um, So we're going to talk today a little bit about some magic and astrology and a little bit about Elizabeth and her background and experience. So Elizabeth, let's get into it. Tell us a little bit about you. So I'm a spiritual life coach, which is kind of like, it's kind of a vague term because I kind of do, I dip my toe into a lot of things. Combine um, tarot and a knowledge of like the birth chart and astrology to sort of help people um, take a look at their chart and understand themselves better and maybe like realign themselves. Um, I also bring in a lot of um, a lot of knowledge from like my my sociology background. So I have a bachelor's degree in sociology and. That was like what I thought I was going to do for a long time is like, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe after this, I'll just go to grad school um, and just keep going in sociology. But it informs everything that I do, even though I didn't end up taking that route, because it, it emphasizes how you can't separate the big picture from the small picture and kind of examines the the relationship between those two and how they impact each other. So that's kind of like the approach that I take to everything. I don't necessarily identify as a witch, but I definitely, I'm I'm into a lot of the same things. I overlap a lot with um, the practices that like, that witches, that which is two. I'm sorry if I'm saying no. um, like so much. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. I do as well. So it's totally fine. But yeah, um, I'm really, I don't really like to use labels because I feel like I borrow so much from everything that I'm just like, whatever intuitively like resonates with me, that's what 
I believe in. So I kind of I kind of believe in every practice a little. Do you yes, know what I mean? totally. You can't see me, but I'm like nodding along to everything you're saying because I <laughs> totally resonate. Um, I only recently started identifying as a uh, as a witch, and still like the term is so broad, and um, I feel like a lot of explanation is necessary when I do say that. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. and I also resonate with the sociology side. Like I said, I'm a social sciences major. I'm just finishing up my bachelor's now and have thought about grad school as well. And, um, I find that most people who are in sociology and maybe like the, the common ground we have in our interests here is that we want to understand people and we want to understand people individually and on a grand scale and i think astrology is also a way to look at people in a similar way individually and on a grand scale so i love how you explain that that there's all these different ideologies and tools that we can pull from to stand where we are and to assess who we are and the people around us and i love how you allow yourself not to you know, label yourself, put yourself in boxes and actually be fluid with that. Because I think that that allows us to draw from all of those things much more easily and fluidly. So I love that. Yeah, it's kind of like um, if in the Tao Te Ching, they talk about like anything that you can name as the Tao is not the Tao. And I really like that idea because it emphasizes kind of like how when you pin things down, you stop taking in more information and you limit yourself. Mm. Yes. Yes. And this is such a, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to make this podcast and be a part of this conversation, because this is totally what's going on right now with the intense polarization, particularly in the U S but globally, that polarization puts people in boxes and then really cuts us off from our humanity and others' humanity because we're so concerned with reaffirming our position and not being willing to take in new or different perspectives or ideas. So I think it's so important. And in fact, maybe it's the core of a revolutionary mindset (laughs) where Mm -hmm. we're able to actually consider what what could really be going on here even if that really challenges me Mm -hmm. yeah I think like it's a combination of just of being like so set in like this belief protects me also when when you're thinking about it on Mm. the bigger scale because so many things like just play into people's fears and that's a big thing is like vulnerability and flexibility, growth, love, all of those things are really scary because they don't ever come mm. with like guarantees. Like you have to just have faith that things will work out and have faith that like you know what's best for you. You're attracting what's best for you, that people are looking out for you, that things are that things are going to work out for you. And if you don't have that faith, it is so difficult to allow yourself to be open And because you just have this fear Mm -hmm. that like, if I do allow myself to be open, what will they do? Like, what can this, what can this new information do to me? What's going to happen? Mm. Yes. Spot on. Yeah, for sure. And, and the way you word that with fear being the 
fear and trust being the things to address that kind of set us free in our ability to move through the world and manifest um, makes me think of, you know, chakra system and starting at the root chakra. Mm. But that's been something that I've also been addressing a lot, a lot this year. And I'm sure a lot of people have because COVID has put us all a little bit in a state of uncertainty. And um, I know I've shaken up a lot of people's lives in terms of finances and where am I going to live and being able to connect outside with people. So we're constantly being bombarded with these messages of you're not safe. You're going to get sick. Death is around the corner. Our democracy is declining, all of those things. And so if you're, like you said, not able to ground in that trust and that faith that everything is actually still working out for you, then these things become incredibly open. So they are the people you work with to have you as their spiritual coach and help you help them, um, you know, transform that perspective. So cool. Um, yeah, that's like, uh, I don't want to go too much into astrology yet before you get to what your first point is. What is it that you want to talk about first? Yes, yes. I was just about to ask. So part of this podcast and part of why I wanted to make this podcast is when I was younger, my like highly sensitive, magical little self had no idea there was other people out there like me. And I felt, you know, so alone, misunderstood. Like I was never going to find my people, all that kind of thing. So I wanted to make this and really display for people the variances and diversities in our experiences and especially focusing on female-bodied people, feminine people, and um, those who feel highly sensitive or spiritually inclined. So I wanted to ask, what was it like growing up as a highly sensitive human? And you can share as much or as little detail as you wish. (laughs) Okay. So my experience was different from even like my sister's experience because the way that you experience your spirituality, I I really believe that everyone has the ability to tap into these things, but it depends on the extent to which they pursue it, you know, some, and Mm -hmm. the way that they use it. There's also where you have receptivity in the birth chart varies from person to person. So my sister, she's a cancer. So she just felt like she had always known about, like spiritual spiritual stuff the spiritual world uh we didn't grow up like very religious my mom took us to church sometimes but other than that uh religion or spirituality wasn't really talked about in the house so I just kind of I had this sense that like yeah there's God because you know my family was vaguely Christian um but I didn't develop really into that for a long time I did have um I did have like some things that I noticed that were different. Like I was very intense about kind of anything that you told me, like if you introduced a new belief system, I would kind of believe, I would kind of believe it. Like my mom got me a wizardology book and there was a ritual in it for like going out and creating a magic wand for yourself where you just break off a tree branch and like cleanse it or something. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to commit to being a witch for the rest of my life. I just took Mm. it, like, so seriously. Mm. Um, And, like, other than that, there was, like, I would see, like, imaginary spiders from time to time. Like, there were times when I thought, like, 
for sure I saw like a spider on the wall or something and I wouldn't be like asleep or anything. I would just be like, that's definitely a spider. I can't sleep here. I've got to get out of this room. But other than that, I had like a very kind of typical childhood um, where I was a very quiet kid and I was very kind of serious, but I didn't notice um, spirituality in the way that like my sister noticed. Mm. Because the difference is I have um, where I have water and where I have receptivity in my chart or yin energy is kind of tucked away more so. So I'm a Sagittarius stellium and I just kind of went through the world for a really long time, just kind of like having a pretty good time. I didn't, I wasn't really, I was just kind of like, I'm in school, I'm going to school. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. What activated um, my, I guess you could call it a spiritual awakening, although it's not like a, like a one and done thing. It's like an ongoing process. Yes, of course. Yeah, but um, what activated sort of like my waking up was kind of like falling in love for the first time because that's where I have like my Scorpio energy. Um, and that's where if you look at asteroids, I have like Freya, Merlin, like the things tied to magic, all of my kind of intuition it was tied to experiencing that deep interconnectivity. And once I did, then I had, I suddenly was having like existential crises every year because I was like, what's going on? Like everything suddenly seems so big. Um, but it was really through activating like my Venus and not even in a romantic way because this was falling in love with friends. It wasn't falling in love with um, a particular person, but basically through love, like that's what activated spirituality for me. Ooh, I love that so much. How special. And it's really interesting the way you explain all of this is very much in an astrological context. And um, that was going to be my next question about how astrology has assisted you in your healing and in your life path. And it like just the way you explain that, it's incredibly intertwined with your perspective of the world, it seems. Um, yeah. But I... I love how you worded that, that your spiritual connection or awakening or sense of spirituality and intuition is directly connected to your intimate connections with other people, specifically love and loving other people. And that's so simple. It's so powerful. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing that with us. That's, I, I'm I'm just obsessed with that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a big deal for me because at first I um here going back to astrology, like the reason I got into astrology in the first place was because I had this friend group that I was just so in love with. I was like, oh my god, I care so much about these people. And it was the first time that like my Venus was really coming through, really. I was like I just really, we were having heart to hearts like all the time. I basically never wanted them to leave because like the unhealthy expression of a Scorpio Venus is like you never let up on the intensity. And this was the first time I had ever expressed it. 
So I was just like, you guys, like, let's be together all the time. Uh, I think we spent like maybe I think there was a period in time where we spent like 72 hours straight together Mm. a lot. Um, But basically that group started to like fall apart because we all uh, we were like orientation friends. This was like when we were all freshmen. And uh, that's when we met. So we didn't all have that much in common necessarily. And we just started to grow apart. But it was really tough on me. So I started having just like, I started just feeling really like, what is going on? And I had a roommate some years later that was into astrology, but in a Gemini way. (laughs) So, (laughs) So she showed me my chart but couldn't interpret it. And she said like, what, what house is your son in? And I was like, Oh, it's in the 12th house. And she was like, you know, that's like a serial killer placement. Right. And I was like, what? And she couldn't elaborate any further because oh no, like that's such a, and I was like, what a Gemini way of like, of interacting with it to know just enough to know like that, but then not be able to explain it. So I was like, okay, well I have to research that. And as I was researching it, I was kind of using it to understand like um, why I had felt the way I felt. And like I had my Venus is in my 11th house. So I was like, oh, that's why I was so attached to like my friends because, you know, the 11th house is the house of friends. Um, And then I started going, oh, maybe it was Lilith. Maybe it was, um, maybe it was Chiron. Maybe it was this and that. And at first, like my first approach had been, I was looking for problems in my birth chart. I was like, what's wrong with me that made that so painful? Mm. And then um, at some point it switched to like me just understanding that it's not a, it's not a problem with me. It's not a flaw. It's just, it's a strength that I had applied in the inappropriate context. And you know, it also was paired with just the time moving on and me realizing like, yeah, people, people grow apart sometimes. Mm, Right. Yeah. But it was also closely related. Yes. Can you give us, because I know people listening to this podcast will have varying levels of understanding of astrology. And you've mentioned that your stellium is Sagittarius. Is stellium um sun the same as your sun sign is that what you're saying yeah i have um a stellium is when you have like three planets or more in a certain sign so i have um my sun sign my neptune and my mercury are in sagittarius and it rules two of my houses so i'm very sagittarian which is funny because um I'm also, I I went through most of my life as very quiet. So most people wouldn't have guessed that I was a Sagittarius. Right. Yeah. So you looked over my chart now, but my sun is Gemini, moon is Scorpio and rising is Sagittarius. And almost all of my friends have been, almost all of my close friends have been Sagittarius. So it's really interesting that now like we're interacting in this way. So very interesting. The next thing, can you very briefly just let us know which houses are relate to which thing? Very brief, very basic, and um, what that what that means for people. So just go through the houses. 
Yeah, just okay. real basic. So they can get some context to what you're just explaining. Yes. So the first house is like your identity, but um, it's not, you know, there's a lot of conversation goes on. I'm trying to keep it brief, but <laughs> the Sagittarius in me really wants to like lecture. I knew yes, we would get along when I looked totally... at your chart. Yes, we should totally do. I would love to do like a deep dive into astrology with you on another episode. But just for this, like this one, first house identity, second house. Yeah, uh, the first house, it's also it's more what other people see. It's the first thing that they see. It rules the body. Okay. The second house is um, material possessions, the material world um, and what makes you feel like you did something during your day. It's it's your value. The okay. third house is community. The fourth house is the home. The fifth house is pleasure, small children, small animals, um, art, dating, those sorts of things. The sixth house is your daily routine and your health. The seventh house is relationships, long-term relationships specifically. The eighth house is the house of rebirth and of um, other people, of other people's resources as well sometimes. Uh, the ninth house is your belief system and wisdom, school teaching. The tenth house is, or your midheaven, is your career or your public image. The eleventh house is the house of friends. Um, it's the social house. And the 12th house is the house of spirituality and of uh, merging with the collective consciousness. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So going back, you said you were mentioning something about how um, your son is in the 12th house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So the 12th house it is it's merging with the collective consciousness but a lot of people have sort of like scary ideas about it that's why that uh that friend i had said like oh that's a serial killer placement um because it's associated with having a karmic debt or it's like a karmic house but um it doesn't mean that it doesn't it doesn't mean you had a past life as a serial killer it doesn't mean that you um have a debt that you carried into this life you know it doesn't mean you're being punished it just means that you um your identity is closely tied to that sort of the piscean like realm of spiritual knowledge and dreams and illusions and it's a difficult placement to have in that pisces energy is never clear or straightforward because it is of the spiritual world so it's hard to make out but it's not a bad placement. Mm, okay. Very interesting. Thank you for that. I'm very curious about my chart and all of that now. I haven't ever had like a very in-depth reading on it. I'm just mm -hmm. in my own and Gemini research. So it's evolved <laughs> over time. But I don't have an in-depth idea about my chart. Mm. Yeah, I... um just like first impressions off your chart when I was pulling up the asteroids just to see, I was like, wow, you wouldn't think it because there's no, there's no planets in your seventh house, but you have a lot of asteroids in your seventh house. 
So I just wanted to ask, are you like kind of like a nester or like a, a big relationship person, you know, with, within whatever is comfortable for you to answer? <laughs> um, y- yes, yes. Um, how would I explain that? Yes, I would say that the majority of my feeling of safety being like on earth like feeling safe to exist on earth is very much connected to the connection I feel with my community so it doesn't necessarily have to be a long-term relationship though I have placed a lot of importance on my romantic partnerships Mm -hmm. Um, but like my friends my family my community that's that's really there's a large importance on that for me. And then in terms of like nesting, having my own space um, also contributes to that a lot. Like if I, if I'm really unsettled and I'm not, you know, when I'm, I I love traveling, that's totally fine if it's temporary, but if I'm in like my, somewhere where I'm settled long-term, then not having my space can get me really uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, did you do you want to go into your chart a little now or did you have something else you wanted to talk about first? Um Yeah, I mean, I love what you shared about your experience coming into spirituality and um how that interacted with your friends. I really love that and like how I just wanted to highlight how important that moment is and how eloquently you express that because I think we all have this point in adolescence or you know when we were young where we like had this big pain and this traumatic moment or many moments and we were like how do we understand ourselves and why we had the reactions we did kind of that why is life so hard like why was it so hard for me at that time and I think that it's that moment or those moments from when we were young and our evolving understanding of them that helps give us so much context to who we are and what we're here to do and what we want our lives to be oriented around. So I think you described that so perfectly. And then to pair that with your understanding of astrology that does the same thing as well and emphasizes that. Mm. that's so that's so special and important and I know everyone will have their different tools but I just love how you were able to show that to us of your way of doing that so yeah (laughs) so anything else you want to share about how astrology impacts your life and your perspective and um or just anything else you want to share about the general ideas of spirituality and and self-growth and all that kind of stuff? Uh, I guess just like going off of what you were just talking about reminded me of like, um, I didn't mention that like that experience was what caused me to go into spiritual life coaching because uh, my focus is on kind of like those kinds of disconnects, although it also, or, you you know, where you're like, why is this happening to me? Even though it's also good for just general, like when everything is fine and you just want to know more about yourself, like, um, Mm. because, you know, everyone doesn't have to, you don't have to learn only when disaster happens. Of course. Um, Yeah. 
right, my friends, we made it to part two. Part two is going to be a lot of astrology and Elizabeth is going to go over some more specifics to astrology and some specifics to my chart. So stay tuned for that. I focus a lot on Chiron with what I do. And the reason I do is because um, Chiron is it kind of represents the pain that you were born into this world carrying that, you know, no one did anything like you didn't do anything t for it. It's just the pain that you have. And um, it blocks access to the outer planets when you haven't healed it. So it was sort of uh, something that I paid a lot of attention to during that time because, and it ties back to what we were talking about with um, people being too afraid to let in more information because Chiron, it's your biggest, it's your fears, it's your pains, um, that, and there's also, there's other placements as well, but Chiron's the big one. And through healing that, looking at the aspects and like understanding Chiron, like that has been like the biggest tool for me in moving forward um, and like learning how to kind of pull myself out of the upset that I had when I was like, man, why is everything just like not going the way I want it to? So mm, interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Chiron it's, it's called like the rainbow bridge because as you heal it as, and you heal that it's called the wounded healer. So as you heal that placement, then it leads you to kind of a greater self mastery. Mm, I love that. The rainbow bridge. Cool, cool, cool. Yes. Okay, I'm so curious. I'm like dying to hear about my chart now. I've I've held it in. <laughs> <laughs> so was there anything in particular you want to know about your chart or that you want to look at? I know I just went on that whole spiel about Chiron. Yeah, I mean. But is there anything in particular you want? Like, before we get started? Yeah, I haven't heard of Chiron before, so that would be really cool. Um, let me see, what else? I think that's the main, like, whatever insights you have are important things that you found. Um, but yeah, like, nothing specifically. Okay, well, I guess we can talk about um, well, we might as well start with Chiron since I was just talking about it. Um, so your Chiron is in Sagittarius and it's in the 12th house. So Chiron in Sagittarius is the belief that kind of like, I'm right. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's my truth is the ultimate truth. My little brother has this placement. <laughs> um, but this but, you know, Chiron is wounded. So it takes that Sagittarian expression of like, of knowledge and wisdom and turns it into a wound of like feeling a little bit, um, maybe feeling a little bit defensive sometimes and feeling just like, um, feeling like either you know and no one's listening or just feeling like stubborn, that, that sort of thing mm. and like not letting in information. Um, but yours also being in the 12th house is interesting because then it's saying it relates to spirituality. 
And you also have Pluto in the 12th house. So to me, that's saying like you have power in spirituality and you do have this knowledge, but um, you might have had this wound of feeling like nobody, like I'm right, but nobody's listening or mm. <laughs> that sort of thing. It can express itself in different ways too. That's another thing that I um, should have said at the beginning because I'm, I always try to mention this, but your birth chart, it shows sort of the energy that you were born with, but you can do whatever you want with those energies and those placements. Mm. So you can express it any which way. These are just the tools that you have and you can use them for anything. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so that's like very spot on. And when I think of my my childhood and adolescence, it was very much like I have this innate knowing about life or spirituality and kind of and I just remember feeling all the time when I would look out at the world and other people and how people would treat each other and relate and even like the fact we were living in a house and not like deeply connected with nature all of these things would really bother me and I felt Mm. really and I still feel a little of this but it's definitely shifted and evolved and I've healed a lot of parts of that but um I felt really like how could it be I'm the only one, (laughs) you know, that's having this perspective, like, what the heck? And I would, you know, tell my family and they'd be like, oh, you're just weird. Like, Cora is saying these silly things. And um, they weren't like super mean or anything like that. But I just felt very ostracized in my perspective, while also feeling like, I know this is my truth. So, it was just very yeah and I would say that that's probably one of my largest pain points because that also made me feel super different from the people my age and very like like it was very hard for me to connect with people who were my age and so I felt lonely and misunderstood and all of those things so now I've realized no actually this knowing of that truth for me just being in that connects me with everyone regardless of whether they intellectually understand that or whatever it is so that's interesting spot on (laughs) Mm. yeah it's it's not to go away from the astrology but bringing up connection I was just like I wrote a blog post about like um, the title of empath just like a couple days ago. So it's fresh on my mind. Um, a lot of a big experience for people who are really empathetic or, you know, who, who maybe even like adopt the title empath um, is that they feel like their knowledge isolates them mm. when really like it's an interconnectivity that you've been blessed mm. with, you know, like it's a knowledge that you've been blessed with. Um, And the reason that we feel disconnected, I feel like is more tied to, um, it's more tied to the kind of pervasive capitalistic ideas of that, of, you know, of having skills and being better or worse, or, you know, Mm, comparison mm -hmm. and ranking 
and um, needing to derive value, like some measurable value from the skills that you have. So in feeling like a lack in social connectivity, it makes a lot of people feel like they're lacking in something that other people have. So then they end up building up the idea of like, oh, well, at least I'm, ca I'm capable of empathy. And so then the walls that were originally built by other people, they tend to put up by themselves by separating themselves with this idea of, well, I'm better at empathy. I'm not saying that you do this, but it's just something that like, when you talked about the separation, I was like, that becomes such an interesting situation because it starts out as like people who are feeling maybe like, um, like they don't fit in and then it can end up just being perpetuated by their own actions. Mm. Yes. Wow. You, you explained that so perfectly and that is exactly what I was doing and how I felt in high school. And when I was younger, for sure, I was like, you know, I feel like I can't connect and that must be because there's just something about me that intimidates people or they're just not on my level or they aren't willing to go as deep as I am or they're avoiding themselves or whatever. And mm. it's totally and completely shifted. And I'm actually really grateful for this conversation because I haven't considered the, like the degree to which my perspective on that has shifted because now I feel incredibly connected with the people around me and that my ability to connect and go deep is actually something that is super valued by those around me and that um, I've, I think what really changed it for me is I realized I don't have to I can be empathetic and be who I am and I don't have to meet everyone at that place all the time <laughs> Yeah, that's a big thing. Like, I had a similar kind of um, process I had to go through because I thought that like, to bond with people. Um, I didn't think this until I had that intense like friend group experience. But after that, all of a sudden, I kept thinking that to bond with people or to connect with people, we had to have like, deep conversations all the time and like, always be just like, really in it. And it really takes a shift or it took a shift in my understanding of what it meant to be connected to somebody to kind of let that go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then we free ourselves up. You totally just like you give yourself so much freedom when you reframe what it means to be connected. And I just, I love how throughout this whole conversation, we keep coming back to connection, what that means and how that feels. And I always emphasize that and even in um, my social sciences academia world, like I feel like all of my papers, all of the discussions come back to that. And all many of these deep conversations I have with people about spirituality and whatever always come back to that feeling connection with others, feeling connection with yourself and feeling connection with the non-physical world or whatever. And um it's so simple, yet it's something we miss because we're like so constantly distracted and whatever, all these other various factors. So 
I also love that about astrology that it it's just one of these tools that can help you understand yourself and why you've been feeling the way you have and it's actually not about your your inability to connect but um just these patterns and things coming up to heal so anything that gets people more connected I'm all for (laughs) Mm. yeah and like um so let's like take a look at some of the planets that Chiron is aspecting for you because that also when you look at um where it is there's also certain planets that it it aspects directly and then there's the outer planets that it sort of blocks access to so um when it comes to Chiron it's you have it aspecting Neptune and your sun so what that would have expressed itself as is like your dreams or your your dreaminess your Neptune your your kind of your hopes your daydreams your fantasies would have probably tied in to the pain that you were feeling um it's also Neptune can also represent a mask it can represent a lot of things because it can be illusions for yourself towards yourself or illusions towards other people like it's just tricky it's a tricky planet but um it's also great capacity for spiritual connection because it's also the, a Pis- the pisces planet um and then you also have chiron aspecting your sun so it would have affected your identity and your basic identity ex- expression mm. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and then um, the outer planets, which are Saturn, Pluto, uh, Neptune, Uranus, they are those are the ones that you don't get access to until you've like healed Chiron. So Pluto, you, we talked about that. You have that in Sagittarius in your 12th house, which is mm. me. Um, you have Neptune in your second house and Uranus in your second house. So that's sort of, um, and they're both in Aquarius, which is uh, new ideas, kind of out there ideas and tied to your understanding of value of and your understanding of the material world. And then, you have Saturn in your fifth house or the house of pleasure and, you know, just all nice things. I, when I was going over the houses, it, I listed a lot for that because it's kind of like anything you enjoy. It's art, it's kids, it's small animals, it's dates. Um, and that's in Taurus for you. <laughs> so oh, wow. <laughs> that makes so much sense. But having Saturn there means that you would have like restricted that area or you might have had like a block or a difficulty in the area of pleasure until you healed Chiron. Mm. Yes. Wow. Yeah, there. Um, so it would have affected your material possessions, your your interaction with the material material world. Uh, your interaction or your ability to express your power with spirituality and your your simple um, pleasure and indulgence of like the Torian, all that nice Torian stuff that's ruling your fifth house. Mm. Oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing um, to to look back and see how like 
it just it just gives me so much context on what has happened and the shifts that I've seen myself go through. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy because you can live through something and then um when you look back, like even even without astrology, looking back, it just feels sort of like, oh, I guess that's what it was. You know, you can use a lot of things to interpret what's happened to you, a lot of different tools. But um, what I love about astrology is just kind of how clearly it lays everything out. And you can really see like, oh, yeah, that was this pain that I had. And that's how it affected me. And that's how like that's the reason why this and this happened or, oh, that's why I did that. Um, like even having Pluto, Pluto in the 12th house, um, Pluto's a, a planet of like death and rebirth. It's, you know, the Scorpio planet. Uh, and I'm going by the modern astrology planet rulings, but I kind of also go by the traditional planet rulings, uh, which is a little hard to explain, but basically Pluto is the planet of death and rebirth. So wherever you have Pluto, until you uh, solve Chiron, like there's a lot of instability in that house. So your spirituality might have felt like it went through a lot of rebirths or a mm -hmm. lot of like kind of major, like the ground is shifting mm -hmm. moments. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah, no, this all mm -hmm. in context, I just. Th this pain I had been describing about feeling isolated and um, having difficulty connecting at that same time, I was also experiencing pretty intense depression, which was for a long time <laughs> for most of my life mm -hmm. up until I was 19 and I'm 21 now. So up until like two years ago and um, it felt like, you know, the pleasurable things in life weren't pleasurable and all of those kinds of things, but um, comfortable things and art and having my space was also the one place that I could feel some safety. So I totally see this all in context. And then about two years ago, I finally made a decision that was very much for me. That was getting out of that comfort zone. And that also meant trusting the people around me and proving to myself that I was good at making friends and that I could feel connected wherever I went. And I chose to move across the world to South Africa. And oh, yeah. Wow. And when I did that, I proved to myself, you know, you can be connected. You can find community wherever you are. And I, I feel like that was probably a really big step in my healing of Chiron. And after that, and since then, my that has been evolving and multiplying and then I would say this year I've really stepped into abundance and feeling pleasure in many areas of my life and being allowing myself to express myself openly especially about my spirituality like I said I only started claiming um, myself as a witch properly this year and I know we talked about how labels keep you someplace, but for me, this was setting myself free to to express myself authentically in this way. So I just I just really see that all is being so spot on. And I felt so confused about why I was feeling this difficulty and sluggishness and like all of that 
during this time of isolation and depression and now to see that all in context is just really cool and just a testament of how powerful the work you're doing is and being able to help people shift and shift their perspective on things it's like my favorite thing to hear when I go through a chart and somebody is like, oh my God, that makes total sense. Like that makes perfect sense. So I'm really loving that these are connecting with you and that it's like helping give context. Um, I also want to touch on like a couple things that you said, like about the labels. Like I, I don't want to sound anti-label. So I want to just like clarify, like even though putting a label on something can limit your perspective if you think of it like too harshly it also gives you a framework to work within mm -hmm. so um you're a social sciences major so have you read i think it was uh, man i hope i'm not getting rusty it was either weber or durkheim um but basically they talk of, i think it was durkheim but they talk about how if you have no limits or no boundaries placed on what you can expect for yourself, it causes a lot of sort of mental distress. But if you, and if you have too many, it does the same thing. So labels are helpful in that they give you a framework to work within and they can help you to like establish community. They're only harmful when they become really strict and when we start mm. being like gatekeepers you're saying like oh to do this you got to do this 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 when they're used in a much more flexible way they're really they're really important and really useful mm, yes thank you for that distinction and um those are the words i've been reaching for for a while i think when it comes to talking about labels especially um when it comes to talking about uh, sexuality and gender and labels about sexuality and gender because for me, mine have changed over time. And then I've confined myself and not confined myself and whatever. And now I've finally come to a place, okay, they don't matter that much, but they matter enough that I can communicate to others the, the gist of it, the main points, but give myself flexibility and grace. So I really mm -hmm. like how you framed that because you're right. They can definitely be important. Yeah, like, especially in that context, like, it's, you wouldn't ever want to feel totally adrift mm, without any mm -hmm. framework to understand yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the only problem is when you start saying, like, oh, to be such and such, I have to do this and this. And that's when it becomes a problem. Yes, yes, definitely. Oh, my gosh, I want to do so many. I want to do like a whole series with you on on different things because the you're just so good at putting things to to words so perfectly and with the multiple perspectives you bring I really want to do like a whole series and get into things and we're running out of time here um but I definitely do. So you let me know if that's something you're open to because I totally loved this conversation and <laughs> I think you have so much to offer and I'm just, I'm really grateful that we were able to do this and I know I'm like cutting it short. It feels like I'm cutting it short even though it's been almost an hour. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so 
Thank you. Yeah, I mean, whenever you get two Sagittarius placements going, and you know, that's my Mercury, that's my Sun, I that's my I just keep going. So <laughs> definitely, like all my first dates are like oh, five so hours. Sure. Same, so, same. <laughs> yeah, same. Well. Thank you so much for reaching out and for doing this. I am totally serious about doing like we can get more um, specific in the focus for more episodes to come. That way, you know, we can talk in depth about a a smaller depth of focus, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm just so appreciative of, of you coming here and sharing with us. So is there anything you wanted to say or sum up? Uh, I just had one more point I wanted to make about like when you were talking about um, your feelings about community. So uh, I'm going to try and keep it very brief, but your North node is in your eighth house and your South node is in your second house. And they're ruled by Leo and Aquarius respectively. So Aquarius is the sign that traditionally, you know, it's the one that rules the 11th house, the house of friends. So part of your value is tied to how you see yourself socially. It's a very social placement, but your South node is the thing that you're drawn to naturally because you're already naturally good at it, but it will not work out as long as you are pursuing it directly. You have to pursue your North node in order for you to get access to your South node. So your North node was in Leo and it was more connected to, um, and it's in the eighth house of connecting to um, like that death rebirth, that scorpionic energy, that deep dive and strangers, other people, you know, it's the, it's the house of like acquaintances of people you sort of know. So stepping into that Leo energy of kind of saying like, I'm just going to go like, um, and also being seen and just being, being able to just kind of be present and enjoy being, being witnessed in that scenario mm. would have given you access to the South node um, of like that social setting, which is, give, which is, you know, in your house of value. So I just wanted to say that before we finished, because when you were talking about community, I was like, Oh, I see it right there. Uh, That's what it yes. is. Wow. Yeah. That definitely makes a lot of sense too. And I see that playing out this year in particular, even with this interaction, like being able to, um, as I express myself, like putting out this podcast was a leap and um, then getting to be acquainted and grow community with people. So you're so right. So spot on. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. It was so much fun being able to look at your chart because this is what I do like all the time. Um, although normally I like go through, I make like a more, like I type everything out and we go through more systematically, mm. but it's fun to just have it in front and say like, what do you want to know? Cause that's like, it's just how I talk to my friends all the time. Yeah. So I really enjoyed this yes, conversation. And that's how I wanted um, this podcast to feel like this episode and all the episodes to be more of like a, a conversational thing where we get to document conversations between people. So I, I love that you did that. I'm really appreciative of any like prior work you did in preparation for this. Um, And yeah, we'll discuss it, but I definitely want to do some, some more cool episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. Thank you for having me on today. Thank you.